The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside James Anderson. You can find James on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Uh, last time without an entrance uh, intro song, entrance theme is, is kind of how I want to term it. I mean, we really need one. I think, you know, we'll have to settle on one. We've got, uh, we've, we, I mean, we don't have one, but we, we have one. We're going to have one. Yeah. I mean, we, we grade it wrestlers based on, on entrance. You know, that's right. one of the five tools. Right now we're sitting at a cool 20. <laughs> <laughs> really lame just uh intro but hey we're gonna change that very soon but uh james good to be on with you You just got back from a, a trip to see some uh, pretty cool uh minor league teams looking forward to hearing about that but first want to uh give a shout out to one of our, our really our loyal listeners to the podcast andrew frank on twitter at two underscore be quite frank He's saying the people want a Swaggy V update. Swaggy V, of course, Daniel Vogelbach, uh, Cubs prospect, 22-year-old. Off to a really strong start at AA Tennessee, James. I mean, 19 for 44. 
432 average, two homers, nine RBI, pretty pretty good stuff. Yeah, ask and you shall receive. Uh, definitely never never hurts to talk about Vogelbach. Uh, you know, kind of if you were just going off the numbers, probably came in with with lesser expectations after after his performance last season, but. Uh, you know, just given his age, given where he was playing, I think that you kind of had to look beyond those numbers. And this is kind of the version of uh, Vogelbach that we've all been sort of waiting on. Uh, you know, middle of the order. You know, basically just a designated hitter, like a guy mm-hmm. that a guy that could hit cleanup in a big league order and uh, would not play the field. Obviously, that that can't happen if if he remains in the Cubs system and the National League doesn't have a DH, but. Uh, you know, walking a ton. He's got got eight walks, uh, just three strikeouts so far. Um, you know, slugging like crazy, hitting right behind Kyle Schwarber. I mean, that's that's got to be one of the more just power laden middles of the order yeah. in in all the minors. I mean, a three four combo like that. I mean, that's that's pretty deadly. Albert Almora hitting hitting in the two hole ahead of those guys too. So. Um, you know, if you get a chance to check out, check out the, the Smokies this year, I would, I would recommend it. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you know, the stat that maybe is most encouraging that you pointed out is the eight to three walked K. I mean, that that's a great rate. And, and last year he had a pretty good mark to 66 to 91 at high A Daytona. You know, the big question is though, is, is, is his future really with this organization? And, you know, I know we've kind of talked about this a bit and it, it doesn't really, there really doesn't seem to be a fit for him on the major league roster. I mean, 22 years old and, and, you know, probably a little ways off, but Anthony Rizzo locked in and really, you know, limited defensively. You look at that, you know, starting staff on the major league roster. I mean, there's, you know, Jason Hamill's kind of struggled a bit. And of course, Travis Wood at the back end, uh, not, not the best option. Do you think it's realistic to to think that he's going to get flipped for a a starter at some point? Yeah, no, I, I, when I wrote about, you know what the Cubs are going to look like in in 2017. I I had him as one of the guys that they'd end up trading, but you know one avenue for him to stay that I don't nobody really talks about is at some point there's going to be a DH in the NL. I mean that hmm. I think that that's kind of inevitable. I would say within the next ten years, I would I would expect that to get done with with a new commissioner. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets done sooner than later, just because. You know, we're trying to get more view viewers in in the game. I mean, we're mm-hmm. trying to get more eyes watching baseball, and nobody really wants to see pitchers hit, and no. people want to see runs scored. So it just makes sense that you're gonna eventually have a DH in both leagues. And you know, if that happens in say 2017 or 2018, and the Cubs kind of get a sense that it's gonna happen, then they might just hang on to him because I mean, he might be one of the better options out there in in five years or so. So. Uh, that's one way that he could stay in Chicago. Obviously, you know, a, a Rizzo injury or something like that's another way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, one one way or another, I think you'll see his bat in the majors by 2017. Yeah, that's an interesting scenario that you laid out. I hadn't really thought about that, but I know, you know, there are just definitely going to be people who fight that uh, DH in the NL. But I think you're right that, you know, you got a pretty progressive new commissioner, and I think he uh, would, you know, definitely consider that and maybe – push for that in a couple of years that's uh something i hadn't really thought about with swaggy v but uh there you go uh uh frank we're, we're glad you're, you're still listening and uh rooting on swaggy v we'll, we'll try to get you some semi-regular updates on him throughout the year and of course we're going to be touching on 
uh, all the top prospects in the game throughout the year. We're going to be watching a game, a minor league game Monday, uh, in preparation for for next week's uh, prospect pod. But this week we're going to focus on, James, your trip to Springdale, Arkansas. Uh, Wrote a really great piece for the site, your latest Farm Futures article. Uh, If you want to check that out and don't have a Rotowire subscription, you get 10 days on us by going to rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, No strings attached here. Uh, before we get into some of your your analysis, some some of these players, I, I want to know, you know, what you thought of Springdale. Uh, yeah, so Springdale's, you know, obviously it's in Northwest Arkansas, which is the, the name of the the double A affiliate down there. It's it's about twenty miles uh, away from Fayetteville, where the University of Arkansas is. Um, but I didn't end up going to Fayetteville. I stayed in Springdale the whole time. Uh, you know, kind of a about what I expected, you know, I mean, it's, a, you know, Arkansas, I would say, you know, definitely, definitely qualifies as being in the South, uh, but doesn't really have, you know, the type of cool stuff that come with being in the South in some parts, charm. You know, like it doesn't have, doesn't have charm, <laughs> doesn't have charm. <laughs> I mean, when I, when I go to a, a new city, like the first thing I'm really trying to do is, you know, eat some of the local food and you know get into what do they what do they have to offer like food wise you know what's what's a great restaurant around here what's what should i be what should i be doing with my my free time and so i i ask the the cab driver that picks me up at the airport i'm like so you know what are you guys kind of known for uh food wise and and he's like uh chickens (laughs) and chickens and they the the food company Tyson is based there, so I mean that's kind of where he was going. But it's like, you know, I'm not gonna go buy some chicken patties because, like, I mean, like, so it's not, you know, it's not like New Orleans where you can go get some some gumbo or or Texas where you can go get you know some some Tex Mex or some barbecue. They're really just not known for anything. And <laughs> and when I when I got picked up uh, by an Uber driver uh, after the game on Tuesday, I asked him, you know, is there any good uh any good local like pizza joints i mean most towns have like at least one you know quality place that that makes a, a nice uh pizza and he says uh well i would say domino's but they're <laughs> under new management so i'd probably have to say pizza hut like so that oh. i mean that's that's kind of oh. where we were that's kind of where i was staying that's where i was living but um Ouch, man. there was a hot tub in the the ho- in the comfort suites i stayed in so Spent some time in there. Uh, did you you I, I told was, me before we came on that, that was the only Uber driver in the yeah, in yeah, the area. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, here in Madison, if you want to get like an Uber anywhere, you're you're gonna be taken care of within probably three to five minutes. Uh, there, there was one guy working the Tri City area of Fayetteville, Springdale, and a, another neighboring town, and he was he drove me on four occasions over a, a three-day span because because uh, <laughs> there was nobody else i would just be like oh want an uber and it'd be like oh that's gonna be 26 minutes because rick is <laughs> rick's down in fayetteville right now but he'll make his way up here and <laughs> as soon as he can so yeah i mean that's that's kind of how it's kind of how i was living oh man it sounds like you got to know that guy fairly well <laughs> Not really. We didn't, we didn't no, talk much. Okay. Right, once I got his, once I got his, uh, 
taste of pizza, <laughs> then I, I kind of stopped asking him for, for recommendations. Just kind of wrote him off. It's <laughs> like, I well, recommend. you can't help me at all. I respect that. <laughs> um, now, I know you did <clears throat> go to one you know, barbecue place that was, I think you maybe may have found on Yelp or right. something. Right, yeah, 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 the, the rib crib. Um, yeah, how was that? It was all right. Uh, I just went because it was called the rib crib, and I felt, you know, perusing the Yelp page of Springdale, Arkansas, you could really, I mean, you could do a lot worse than, than the rib crib. I think it had like a three and a half star rating, which I felt was good enough to, to warrant a, a visit. And I was actually hoping that they'd have some merch for sale, but that was, <laughs> that was not, not the case. Um, it happened to be all you can eat ribs and sides night on, on Tuesday. So, uh, delved into that. I mean, the, 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 the beans were quality. The ribs were okay. The the slaw was terrible. So I mean, I'd, I'd give it an overall like C plus on the food, but uh, good bang for my buck. Um, they That's had that for a beer selection. They had Bud Light, Budweiser, MGD, and Miller Light. I went with the <laughs> I went with the Miller Light bottles. Had a, had a few of those. So um, yeah, living large. Sounds like a classic <laughs> minor league baseball town, realistically. Which I mean, may may not have actual charm, but I mean if you're a minor league fan i mean you can kind of you know grow to like it i guess to a certain extent but uh you know glad to have you back and uh you know see hear some of your takes here on some of these guys really enjoyed your piece and uh we'll start with miguel almonte of the royals uh affiliate northwest arkansas 22 year old right-hander now james he struggled first couple starts of the year six earned runs allowed on seven hits four walks uh he also hit three batters in five innings only, but um, you know the pitching coach said the righty stuff was still you know pretty decent in those outings despite despite the poor results. Uh, you got to see his his third start of the year. Uh, what did you you see that you liked, and what did you see that you, that you didn't? Well, I I mean it couldn't have picked a better better day to go watch Almonte. I mean he had that fastball working and. You know, from what I what I'd gathered when I when I went in, like the the first thing I wanted to know was, could he possibly be hurt? Because those numbers in his first two starts don't really make a ton of sense um, unless you were unless you were watching them. And you know, it, it sounded like he yeah he was fine. I mean, uh, their pitching coach Jim Brower said, you know, the stuff was all fine. It was just kind of a matter of you know locating that fastball so that hitters couldn't sit on his off speed stuff and in that game on Monday, he was just throwing BBs, uh, you know, up in the zone on, on the edge of the plate on the outside, on the inside. I mean, he was really kind of painting, uh, and then that just allowed for, for his, uh, you know, his changeup and his, and his curveball to, to kind of do the rest. So, I mean, he was really relying on that fastball, but it was, it was more than enough to get the job done. I think the, the stadium gun was, reading 92 for most of the night but from what i gathered i mean there was a you know pitch fx crew in the uh media room and and just talking to the coaches he was probably closer to, to 93 94 and you know he might have actually dialed it back a little bit after his first two starts just to get that command going i mean he might have been in the in the 95 96 range and then just took a took a little bit off to make sure he was locating and you know, as long as he's he's doing that, especially at, at the double A level, I think he'll be fine. So I'm anxious to see what he does in his next start. Yeah, zero walks allowed in this one. That that's good to see. Um, 
you know, the, you look at the kind of abbreviated outings, but that's kind of, you know, all by design. They're going to cap them at around four innings or 60 pitches uh, in the early going. Maybe he could reach up to 140 frames this season, but um, where, where do you see him settling into the uh, into the major league rotation long term? Well, they view him as the top of the rotation type of arm, like a guy that could be, you know, that could start game one or game two of a, a postseason series. Uh, I think that, I mean, that's that's definitely the the best case scenario. I don't really quite see number one upside, but I could see him being a number two if really everything broke right. But I think they should be kind of just hoping that he that he's an, a solid number three. Um, and I don't really think they need him to be more than a number three. I think he's got the, the stuff to do that. Uh, potentially three plus pitches so uh, from the right side if he's if he's in the mid 90s and and can get those those that curveball and change up can throw him for strikes which he which he's shown he can do at times I think he could be a, a solid number three now he's you know had some issues with the control early but again no walks in the start you saw uh, last season at, at high Wilmington 2.6 walks per nine which is pretty good rate for a kid his age just 21 years old uh, 2.5 walks per nine the year before, but then you know 1.5 uh, in in 2012. How do you think the command profile will will ultimately look when he's in the majors? Do you think he's you know got the command to be you know 2.5 type of guy, or do you think that'll tick up uh, as as he moves up the ladder? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the 2.5 to three level is is pretty reasonable to to expect once he gets there. I, I think that it's going to be on him it's going to be imperative for him to kind of hang around that rate for him to get to the big leagues like I don't I don't see them um, rushing him up the ladder until they're they're confident that he's got that command kind of refined so you know I was I didn't get any kind of a a vibe that he was going to be knocking on the the big league door this season Mm -hmm. so um, you know 2016 though I think you know we've talked about it before i mean that that royals rotation once they get some of those less appealing guys out of there like like a vargas and a, a guthrie and you know edmondson volquez you could be looking at just a just a ton of really kind of electric young arms in that rotation now his teammate third baseman hunter dozier uh you know working through some, some mechanical issues so far at the dish right now um you know was hitless in, in three games um uh, I'm sorry. It looks like he was in his last three games before before Tuesday. But what did you see? Did you see a hitch in his mechanics, or did um, what were your takeaways with with Hunter Dozier? I just don't think he's all that uh, confident or all that you know prepared at the plate. I mean, he kind of looks at time like you know he's taken taking a lot of pitches that he shouldn't take and swinging at a lot of pitches he, sh- he shouldn't swing at. So he, he just kind of looked like he didn't really have a great plan up there. Um, you know, la- ever since he's gotten to double A, it's, that's been kind of an issue for him where he really has a hard time laying off breaking balls down and away. And so that's a lot of what he's seeing right now. Um, I think it's going to be kind of a slow burn with him. He might, just spend all of double a all of all of 2015 at double a and you know he might even start 2016 back there and then get get up to triple a at some point then um so yeah i mean i i I don't see him being an impact guy anytime soon but 
he does have like if you just look at his his Fangraphs or Baseball Reference page, like the the power isn't going to really look like it's there. I don't think he's hit more than five or six homers in a season um, at any one level. So it, it doesn't really look like he's a power hitter. But in in BP, you know, he had really really impressive power. Uh, opposite field power was was going, you know, thirty forty feet over the fence to to right center and he's a big guy like he's he's really impressive I mean the only guy who was physically really more imposing than him that I got to talk to was was Nomar Mazzara so you know I think he he's got the the physical tools it's just all about that approach and once he can kind of get that hit tool mastered and and get back to being kind of like a 20 to 25 percent strikeout guy instead of a 30 35 percent strikeout guy then I think that power will start to play a bit more yeah, you look at the ISO, he hasn't had a mark above uh, 134 above rookie ball. But you look at the BABIPs, and that really kind of supports what you said. I mean, uh, really high marks, hitting the ball uh, hard, you know, and it's finding gaps. Uh, aside from, you know, 2014 at, at AA, really above you know, 348, right around 348 um, in, in full season affiliates. Do you think that's sustainable as he moves up? He's, he's going to be able to maintain high BABIPs and then thus high averages? Yeah, I think so, especially, uh, you know, especially at AAA. Uh, might not have a – you probably won't have a bad if that high in the majors. But, um, you know, he's – you know, he, he, he looks like a little lost at the plate right now, but he's he's still a pretty confident kid. He's, you know, definitely views himself as a middle-of-the-order bat. So I just think it's going to take maybe a bit longer than you might expect given that he's at AA right now. Um and they don't there's just no sense in rushing him because I think he's the type of guy that if you got aggressive with promotions with him, he could just really struggle at the big league level. I think you wanna give him a few more years in in the minors to really kind of get get a very firm approach at the plate so that when he gets there he's not gonna be completely lost. No, Joey Gallo's not not at this uh, event or at this series for the Rangers. Uh recovering from a, a uh, surgery to remove a bone from his left ankle. Uh, Roel Ro Mondesi also uh, out of action, but with the likes of you know Nick Williams, Nomar Mazzara, Jorge Alfaro, and others, I find it kind of surprising that, that you actually tabbed uh, Jorge Bonifacio as the most impressive offensive player you saw in the series. A uh, pair of doubles in a game, and you also posted a, a video you took of him. Uh, I think it's looking like he's smacking a homer. I mean, crushed it pretty well. Um, what all did you like from his offensive game? Well, you know, I'm, that's it's definitely not to say that I think he's the best of that bunch, but just from from what I saw, he was easily the best. Uh, you know, had a had a pair of doubles in uh, Monday's game, and then yeah, that that homer that I that I took video of and put up in the article uh, just hit an absolute bomb over the bullpen and in, in left. Uh, I think you know two of his homers this year have come against righties. I think two have come against lefties. So he kind of has the look of a guy that might need to be platooned at some point, but right now that's not the case. He he does obviously struggle with off-speed stuff away, uh, down and away, but that's kind of – I mean, everybody kind of has that. So uh, just based off what he did in 2014, the way that he's come into 2015, I mean, everything he's hitting is hard. Uh, 
I really think that you're, you're going to look at his numbers at, at the halfway point and, and be, be pretty impressed because this is a guy that I think a lot of people wrote off. I mean, I didn't even have him in my top 200 coming into the year. Um, but now, I mean, I think that he, you know, some guys, double A, the, the move from high A to double A is a really, a really tough adjustment for some guys. And I think that, you know, his second time around, he, he looks pretty confident at the plate and, and I'm kind of excited to see what he does this year. Yeah, he's already matched his home run total uh, for four uh, at the same level last year, but four in 566 plate appearances last year, uh, really tapping into that power right now. Do you think it's, you know, something, you know, in his with with his plate discipline, or is it more so, you know, just that his development has reached a point where he's, you know, more confident at the dish and able to, you know, make more contact? I just think that he he knows how pitchers are trying to approach him and so he goes up there with a plan like he's he's looking for something specific and when he sees it he's not missing and you know he might have just been really kind of lost I mean he might have just been kind of like Hunter Dozier looked right now that's my that might have been how he looked last year so uh he's definitely comfortable at the plate um really confident right now so I I think that it's just a kind of maturity thing. I mean, he knows he knows what he's doing in the box, um, just looking for stuff to drive. You know, the, the two doubles he hit, he wasn't trying to do too much with them. You know, he just mm-hmm. kind of put them into the gap where, you know, he did what he could with them, and, you know, that's a mark of a, a hitter that's maturing. Yeah, it looks like, you know, I've been watching this video on repeat since, you know, I brought this up, and I really like, you know, he's got a nice kind of short, compact swing, you know, and he's still – you know, able to crush this pitch, and uh, that, that's really good to see. I mean, you know, just him, him, you know, having a pretty short stride, you know, a little bit of a leg kick, but really, uh, you know, fluid and, and compact. I like to see that. Now, you mentioned that he's was outside of your top 200 prospect rankings coming into the year. Uh, you know, I think you're going to be updating your rankings soon, and hopefully we can do a new uh, roundtable, mm-hmm. prospect roundtable pretty soon. But where do you think uh, Bonifacio realistically will, will probably slot into your updated list? I think he'd probably be in my top 150 actually right now. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where he's a guy that if he, if he just rakes for the next two months, he'll be up at triple a and then, you know, getting a, getting another challenge. And then who knows what happens from there? I mean, I, I think he's, he might be less than a year away from, from getting a taste of the big leagues. And, you know, they, they don't have a ton of power in that, that lineup I mean they're they're really good at making contact but I mean a guy like that could be useful even if it was just off the bench in in September or something like that so I think that his proximity his power from the right side I mean it's it's an intriguing package so I mean I think you got to put him ahead of some of those arms that are in the lower levels and you know some some of like the middle infielders that are down in in the lower levels I mean I'd prefer to to bet on a guy like Bonifacio. Now jumping to the the Rangers side for Double A Frisco, uh, no more Mazzara. You actually only got to see two at bats from him because he was uh, hit by a pitch on the toe and then had to f- leave uh, the next game early uh, as as he was the DH. Uh, I want to know first before we talk about his actual talent. You, you got to talk to him, right? Was, yeah. was he cool? He was super cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, of the I talked to probably seven or eight players and he was the one that had the most kind of just sort of like it factor like where you sort of 
you know that he's in the room, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just kind of. I mean, he just he looks like a, a future star. Um, just a really really nice guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say can't say enough about Mazar. I mean, he was he was really cool. I mean, you know, still kind of working on his English and everything, but I mean, it was just was really you know in, engaged in the interview and was was definitely trying to answer my questions as best he could so uh yeah i mean i, I was it was really cool to meet him um he's been one of my favorite prospects for a while now and you know his early season numbers are, are something else uh not not hitting any home runs yet but i mean everything else is kind of off the charts i mean for the little little that i've seen him i mean really amazing you know fluid swing that's uh, it generates a ton of power, and uh, good to hear that he's you know a cool guy and was you know receptive to the interview and was able to give you know some quality answers and you know sit you know take take his time to really engage with you. That's that's pretty awesome. And yeah, just twenty. He's, he's not even twenty yet. <laughs> I mean, nineteen years old. Um, but it you know he's he's got the all the tools to really you know rocket up prospect list. I know you were already really aggressive on him in your rankings. Um, is, is he the kind of guy who, you know, once he gets to the majors could be a, you know, top, top 30 to 40 annual, you know, fantasy player? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, the hit tool is, is kind of where it's going to kind of decide whether he's a top 50 guy or a top 100 guy, because, you know, I think the power, nobody really doubts the power, um, you know, he's got 65, 70 power, uh, and he's 19. So don't, don't look at his numbers like last year. Well, he only hit 22 homers or he, you know, he doesn't have any homers yet this year. Well, yeah, he's, he's 19 and he's playing at double A. So, uh, that's like, he's, don't worry about that. But the, the hit tools where it gets interesting because if he, if he can hit for like, three like 300 or, or 280 um the rest of the year at, at double a then I, i'm gonna be really really kind of impressed and you might have to start looking at him as a as a guy that could just really carry you know those those two categories i i think that it's it's possible that he could have a, a not even a plus hit tool but a plus plus hit tool uh he's hitting everything super hard right now um not even not trying to hit homers uh the babips obviously uh part of the reason why why his average is is so high but you know i think i think he he might settle into you know 3 300 320 uh, this year and he might get up to triple a in the second half he might even get skipped to triple a and go straight to the big leagues because of of Mazzara, Alfaro, Gallo and Nick Williams um you know, someone in the the Rangers organization told me that he's the one that has like the fewest flaws. He's got the least to work on. So if he can just kind of sh- hit the ground running at Double A this year, I mean, he fills a need for them at, mm-hmm. on the big league roster. So you know, with a guy like Gallo, he's got got holes in his swing. Alfaro needs some stuff to work on defensively and offensively. You know, Nick Williams who knows? You know how how much of this early season success is legit? But Mazzara, there really aren't that many questions. Man, I mean, big guy, six four, one ninety five, uh, nineteen years old. I mean, you you mentioned the lack of the power through ten games. I mean, he's he's only got one extra base hit. It's a double, but he's actually batting uh, three eighty two, uh, thirteen for thirty four. I mean, 
three to seven walk to strikeout too. So I mean, he he's advanced for his age most definitely, and somebody who you're, you're right, he feels a need right now. Uh, you know, not he's not going to get the call right now, but there is definitely a glaring hole in the and, outfield on the major league roster. And he was the only one that got a hit off Miguel Almonte in that start Monday, and you know, so he he just ripped a just smoked a single back up the middle. Um, I mean, Al- Almonte was really tough to hit that day. So just, just the fact that he was willing to just kind of take that and not try to do too much against a pitcher that was in the zone like that just kind of speaks to his maturity at the plate. And, you know, just talking to him about his approach this year. And, you know, he definitely views himself as a, as a power hitter, but he's not worried about that at all. He's just trying to make really good contact and take what the pitchers give him. That's cool. Did you record your interview with him? I did. I want to hear that sometime. Sure. Um, it'd be cool. Now, I mentioned you were aggressive on him in your prospect rankings. You had him at 20th uh, on your top 200. Do you think you could you know, see yourself even bumping him even higher, maybe above a guy like Jose Peraza or maybe Francisco Lindor even? Yeah, I think that probably has to happen. Um, you know, possibly ahead of – trying to think which arms i have ahead of him ahead it's like rodan um archie bradley uh i'd probably Urias. i'd probably put him ahead of i'd probably put him ahead of bradley rodan and bundy to be honest with you Mm -hmm. um i he's just i just i have such a hard time envisioning him not succeeding like so Mm -hmm. you know if you can get a get a right fielder that's gonna hit 30 homers and hit 275 and be in the middle of a lineup in Texas that's going to someday have Joey Gallo and Jorge Alfaro in it. I mean, that's and, – and Prince Fielder. I mean, that's tough to pass up. Now, coolness level with Nick Williams. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got on the uh, 20 to 80? Uh, 75 cool with Nick okay. Williams. Wow. Um, <laughs> super, super smooth guy. Um he was really nice too though. I mean, he was definitely didn't like I mean, I asked him some stuff about, you know, his struggles uh, you know, in terms of his approach last year and in the fall league and his his defensive struggles and he wasn't, you know, didn't shy away from answering those questions. Uh I asked him if he thought that he could go uh 30-30 at the highest level and he said that that would be pretty much no problem um i might have the quote in here uh yeah he said i i think i could do 30 30 for sure 30 stolen bases i should be able to do easily the 30 homers it'll come so nice. uh definitely like the the confidence and the swag um was fortunate in in the last game uh his last at bat of the last game that i was there for he just smoked a ball to to right center uh landed it up on the the knoll up there and you know had the had the high finish i mean just a really cool cool looking home run yeah. so uh that was a nice little you know the uh bat up in the air uh pimp and move the the thing is like you look at his numbers in the minors and he might not it might not seem that he's got you know the capability to steal 30 bags i was actually kind of surprised to hear him say that he thought the 30 steals would be easier for him than the 30 homers because, um, I mean, I, I definitely think that the power is, is pretty legit, but, um, you just watch him. I mean, he beat out, uh, infield hit. you know, he's just books it around the bases. Um, 
uh, yeah, I could definitely see him being a, a 30 steal guy. I just I think it's going to take some time because he's still learning how to be a base dealer, still learning how to read pitchers and knowing when to go. But I think if he can figure that out, I definitely could see that happening. I, I got to see him in, in the Arizona Fall League, and you know, the raw tools really stand out, especially I mean, even among all these elite you know, prospects who were, who were there uh, and have earned that trip to the Fall League. He really stood out, but also – you know the the troubles at the plate were were pretty obvious, especially against breaking pitches. I uh, really had a hard time laying off those. You know, outside of the you know down in the zone, uh, or you know below the zone, he really just kind of swung away no matter what. Now you say that you talked about him or talked to him about his new approach uh, at length, and what exactly has he done to you know cut down on on those swings and misses and you know lay off the breaking balls. He just wants to kind of go up there with a pretty a pretty rigid plan where he's not going to swing at any borderline fastballs or really any breaking balls until there's two strikes in the count and I think that's really smart actually. Yeah, and so what that's doing is you know, if a guy wants to throw him a, you know, meatball fastball in, you know, a 1-1 count or an 0-1 count, he's going to drive it. And, you know, if not, then it's on the pitcher to make sure that his borderline stuff is hitting and that his, his breaking balls are, are going for strikes. So uh, I definitely think that that's something that's going to allow – if he can stick to it. I mean, that's that's the key too is, is he's a guy who, you know, he's had focus issues in the past and, uh, you know, football was his first sport of interest, uh, just kind of ended up being better at baseball. So that's that's what he went with. But – you know, I could see him being a guy that that finds it tough to kind of go up there and be patient like that. But if he can do that, I think you're going to see his numbers this year be be pretty crazy good. Because I don't I don't think there's enough good pitchers to punish him for for a plan like that. But in the in the big leagues, it's going to take a little bit more than that, right? I mm. mean, you're going to need to you know work on pitch recognition a bit more. But with this plan, it'll allow him to kind of refine his eye because he'll be seeing you know, these pitches, he won't be swinging at him. That'll allow him to kind of take in what, what the pitchers are showing him out there. So um, very encouraging to at least see that he, he knows that he does need to do something, right? Yeah. Because that's that's kind of the first step is, you know, like a guy like Javi Baez, like, I mean, Nick Williams' current plan is better than the one Baez brought to the big leagues last year. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it's nice to at least see that he, he knows something needs to change. Yeah, and he is proactive about changing it. I mean, that's – that was one thing in the fall league too, is you know the struggles, but he also kind of looked, you know, a little bit frustrated, a little bit, you know, kind of tuned out eventually. Uh, and I think that's something that scouts saw and weren't really that happy about. But that's great to see that, you know. And you mentioned that football was kind of his first sport uh, that he is, you know, really dedicated to improving his his game and his approach. Uh, I'm definitely pulling for him. I think you know, I was actually the high man. I was surprised because I know you you like Williams. I was the high man on him in the round table. And, yeah, I think just based off the raw tools, I mean, alone, he should be a major leaguer. And the fact that, you know, he, he's taking measures to, you know, improve things and, and you know, lay off the breaking pitches, uh, it's very encouraging for a guy you, his age. You might not be the high man on him next time around. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect um, to be. I, I mean, I, I definitely – I, yeah, like I came into the season with those say, you know, those reservations that we talked about, mm-hmm. but just kind of, you know, seeing what, you know, the steps he's taken, I, I definitely see him, uh, 
if not being in the top 50, you know, kind of knocking on the door of the top 50, uh, they kind of have a nice thing sort of set up uh, where if, if they, you know, their kind of dream scenario, I think, is for sometime next year to be able to roll out a, you know, Williams in left, uh, Martin in center, Mazzara in right, and Chu as the, the DH. I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and they can kind of plug and play Chew and, and sit him against some lefties. I think that that would really be a, a fun kind of exciting outfield for the Rangers and their fans, which is definitely something that they're lacking right now. Yeah, and Chu has had some issues in right, too. So, I mean, some pretty bad yeah. um, he, mistakes out there. I think he's going to be DHing sooner than later. Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, I talked about Nick Williams, his tools, uh, but you actually said that from what you saw – Catcher Jorge Alfaro may have the most tools on the Frisco roster. Uh, you know, I, I am excited about this kid. I even you know, took him as one of my last picks in an AL-only AL league, a uh, 12-team, just because, you know, the Rangers have been pretty aggressive in promoting young guys. But, um, you know, still down at double-A right now. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to see you say that because didn't you just trade him in our keeper league? Yeah, no, I did just trade him. I traded uh... – Traded Alfaro, um, Javier Baez, and next a number two pick, or a, num- a second round pick next year for uh, Hanley Ramirez, who whose contract expires at the end of the year. Uh, definitely a win now move. I mean that trade has the potential to kind of haunt me like three years down the line. But uh, I mean I think I can win this year, and if, if that happens, and I don't really care how good these guys are. Mm-hmm. Um, Alfaro, yeah. So like that that wasn't me when I said he's got the most tools in the system that was just kind of through talking to people i mean i didn't you know have enough uh time to really say anything like that definitively but i mean people down there definitely think that you know he's like he's a five tool player potentially and he's a catcher which is Mm kind of crazy uh you know 55 60 speed um which is crazy uh in in bp like you know i i talk all the time about the the BP show Joey Gallo put on at the Futures game, but in their typical BPs just for, for regular games, like he's not really trying to put on that kind of a show. And the one who actually ends up putting on the most impressive BP apparently is Alfaro, just based on his natural just power. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, he's he's been striking out a ton uh, this year, and that was the case in the games I saw him in. Um, you know that's he 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 knows you know he's he was a really nice guy too uh great guy to talk to but he, i just think that he's gonna it's gonna take him a while to kind of figure out uh upper level pitching um i think he's easy to kind of expose if you can hit your spots and can throw a breaking ball for strikes um and just kind of keep him guessing but you know, a couple of years down the line, he could he could be you know one of the better fantasy catchers in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just think that there's out of these out of out of Williams, Alfaro, Mazar, and Gallo. I think Alfaro has just as much flame out potential as you know Williams or Gallo. Um, I think mm-hmm. Mazar is the safest of the bunch, but you know everyone talks about Gallo and Williams and their their approach. I think that there's there's a chance that you might see Alfaro be a guy who maybe if he, if he doesn't reach his ceiling, he could just be like a 220 hitter that gets you 15 homers, 
10 steals and just never really reaches his full potential if he can't kind of uh, figure out uh, the best way to, to go at uh, high-end pitching. Yeah, and, you know, the, the concerns you pointed out uh, definitely valid, but, you know, you trading him isn't a, a complete indictment of, of him as no. a prospect. I mean, you... I offered, like, th- this yeah. was a deal with Chris Smith. I, I told him, you know, Alfaro, Tapia, Baez, pick two, and he was kind of thinking it over for quite a while. I think it took him like eight hours to finally come up with Alfaro and Baez as the guys he wanted. So it wasn't, I just, I knew it was going to take guys like that to get Hanley. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't going to be able to offer him, you know, Jake Thompson and, you know, Vogelbach or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was going to take some high end guys. So I didn't mind parting with him, especially just because I don't, I don't see Alfaro being a big help to my team in the next one to two years which is kind of my my window right now mm-hmm. yeah that's that's interesting i mean he uh and i'm surprised you even threw toppy out there as a guy that i that didn't would i trade. mean i i i didn't i didn't want to trade any of those guys uh honestly i probably wanted to hold on to Tapia the most out of those three so i was kind of glad he, <laughs> yeah, I was he, about did, to say, he did what he did but um toppy is the guy that i would want most out of that yeah i it's it's weird because Baez and Alfaro I think have the two highest ceilings of those three, but I am the most confident in in Tapia out of those three. So, nice. um, yeah, I mean I definitely don't definitely don't mind that trade, but I mean yeah, Alfaro was super cool um, to talk to. I mean he he's also um, you know English is his second language too, but I mean I actually spent more time talking to him than any of the other people I talked to. Uh, he was just really. You know, he had all didn't mind talking baseball, just you know, back and forth. Even though probably some of my questions weren't the weren't the greatest, but you know, he was definitely willing to, to answer them. And he's really he's so team first. Like it's it's a great quality to kind of have in a catcher. You know, he didn't want to talk really about himself that much at all. Just wanted to kind of talk about you know his the pitchers that he calls and just kind of pumping up their arsenals and and talking about just. Like I asked him, you know, are you do you consider yourself a power hitter because of you know how impressive you can be in BP? And he's like, I don't really try to hit home runs. That's what we have Gallo for. So you know, that's that's kind of a cool attitude to have for a guy that's as talented as he is. I mean, that the speed he brings to the table is really uh, you know something to dream on. Then you match that with you know thirty home run upside. I mean, a lot to like. But I'm with you that you know, some some reservations. But you know, and especially you know not cons. Uh, really expecting any more for him to be a candidate for a call up, you know, in September. But um, somebody who's you know uh, behind the plate. I mean, maybe Kyle Schwarber, the only real catcher who uh, you know has has more uh, upside uh, than he does. Right. I mean, Blake Swihart's the guy with the you know the the floor and the guy mm-hmm. that's probably the closest to the show. But Sh- uh, Swihart can't match what Schwarber and and Alfaro bring in terms of upside. So. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think I'd I'd take I'd take Schwarber over Alfaro, but you know, a lot of that's just because if he doesn't work out as a catcher, they're just they're ready to move him to the outfield. So I mean Alfaro they're gonna keep him at catcher just because of how good he is, uh, potentially defensively there. So they're they're gonna just keep him until he's ready to, to debut at that position. Now you said that you know, you really think the Rangers kind of a dark horse best best farm system in baseball. Uh, and one of the arms um, that you didn't actually get to see, but highly touted here, Jake Thompson, right-hander, just 21 years old. Uh, I picked up a share, thankfully, in one of my keeper leagues. But um, 
you know, really, you know, you were, it came on the, the basis of your expectations and, and your hype for him. And I, I really, uh, you know, I've liked what I've seen in limited exposure to him. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on him? And do you think he's a guy who could also rise relatively quickly? Yeah, he's, he's pretty awesome. I mean, just based on, you know, the numbers at, at all of his, his recent stops, uh, traded over to the, to the Rangers and that, that walking Soria deal with Detroit last year. And when he got into the Rangers organization, they really started to stress him throwing the, the four seamer more. And, uh, this year, the the changeup more because he's got such a, a wicked out pitch with that slider that they really wanted him to kind of stop being so reliant on it. And and part of that is to kind of you know keep the hitters off balance. But I, I'm guessing part of it too is just because if you're going to be a guy that just relies on a slider like that so often, I mean I think your your chances of injury go up a, a tad more than than the typical pitcher. So he's been throwing his changeup a lot more in the early going, and he said that that's you know a big part of why he's been so successful the the strikeouts haven't been awesome but I mean the sample size is so small that I'm not reading too much into that but the the run prevention has been great the you know he's he's not allowing base runners so I definitely like Thompson the one thing I I would say though I mean you asked if he's going to move fast uh I don't really think he gets there till next year Mm -hmm. um I got to talk to Alfaro and and some people uh, with the the Rough Riders about Chichi Rodriguez, who was there last year, and he, on the other hand, like unlike Thompson, who has the wipeout slider, Rodriguez doesn't have, uh, or uh, Gonzalez doesn't have the uh, crazy, you know, one pitch, but everything he has moves. He can command everything. He apparently, like, he would have been the coolest guy to talk to if I had gotten a chance to to chat with him. Apparently, he's just really. <laughs> Uh, fun to, to talk with but he's a guy that I think you will see in Texas within a month or so yeah I mean they they brought up Wandy Rodriguez to start Friday uh yeesh and I know um uh I forget who it was who's you know has some mechanical issues to work out uh let me th- I'm sorry I have to look this up um Ross Detweiler Ross Detweiler not moving to the bullpen just that- yet but needs to work out some mechanical issues on the side that's the guy um you know i think i think you see you see chi chi take that spot um pretty soon here so if mm-hmm. you're in a full season league where you know maybe a maybe a 16 team league i think it's probably not a bad idea to grab him i did hear from from someone that that he might be a guy where you know his first 20 turns through the rotation are not as good as his second 20 or his second 20 turns just because it might take him you know a minute to kind of get used to the the competition and and what kind of pitches he can get away throwing and and what counts and stuff like that but there's also the chance that he could just get off you know really going well I mean there's no sign of anywhere in his minor league career of him really struggling so uh, definitely a guy a guy worth grabbing outstanding in spring training almost you know fought for a job out of camp but uh, actually has had some issues through his first two starts I mean we're talking about a minuscule sample size here, 9.2 innings, but seven earned runs allowed and, and five walks and just four strikeouts. I don't really think, you know, I think they'd look at the the body work rather than these two outings when determining. Uh, maybe they'd like to see him get on track with a, a strong start, but I don't think it'll take a prolonged stretch of success for them to really consider calling him up. Yeah, and that's, you know, at Round Rock that can happen. Uh, 
I, I definitely wouldn't read too much into that at all. I think that they're 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 aware of the kind of pitcher he can be. I think he'll be in that rotation sooner than later. Uh, James, thanks uh, for for all your analysis and then for the great article again. If you want to check out uh, his latest farm futures piece, you can do that at rotowire.com. If you don't have a subscription, go to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod for a free ten days on us, James. I'm uh, going to skip the, the grading of the wrestler this week, but I'm uh, going to let let our listeners know that we will be grading out Razor Ramon next week and possibly uh, a second uh, entertainer. <laughs> yeah. Sports entertainer. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's going to be fun. I didn't want to half-ass it today, and we kind of got interrupted in the middle of the pod, so uh, running running short of time, but, yeah, look for that one next week. Sounds good. Well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. James, thanks for staying late, uh, and we'll see you guys next Thursday. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.